Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. The Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast brings in a really, really special guest, Michael Sowers of the PLL Water Dogs. Not only did the Water Dogs capture the championship on Sunday, prior Sunday, but Michael took home the MVP uh, after playing a spectacular semifinal and final. Mike, first of all, congratulations. I got to tell you, after the game, I'm on the field and there's a, a, a woman there and she's like so excited and she's talking to Mike Rabel and she introduced herself to me as your mom. And I can't tell you how happy you made her. What, what does it feel like to, to spread joy by the way you play? Um, well, first of all, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you bringing her up. Um, she's right down the hall right now. I'm actually, I'm at my mom's house. So, I mean, I think, uh, it was just like really an amazing day to be able to, to do that and, and win the championship for me personally in front of my family. Like, obviously, uh, when you're able to get to a level like that, like, you know, it, it takes a lot more people than just yourself. And I've been fortunate enough to have an unbelievable support system. And it really starts with my mom and dad and the sacrifices that they made to, you know, get me to Princeton, then to get me to Duke and then, uh, you know, to, to support me and get to the professional level. Um, I think it was definitely like a team win, uh, so to speak. So um, it was just, it was really cool to have them there for it. Not only did you have your family there, but you had thousands of fans there. Uh, that was one of the most cool settings that I can remember ever at a pro, pro lacrosse game. Like Water Dogs fans showed up. They were chanting defense. They were cheering for goals. They had their faces painted. I mean, it was legit. It was cool. What was that like to compete in that arena, looking up in the crowd and like seeing that whole far side, like all purple? Yeah, I mean, I think uh... – it, it, it was it was really cool. I think for me growing up in Philly, playing in Philly, seeing all the purple shirts, uh, it was awesome. And I think, you know, hopefully if the league ever settles down in cities, uh, hopefully we pre- put together a pretty good case to settle down in Philadelphia. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome. Take me to the final. Uh, your hamstring was an issue in the semifinals. You got it uh, back to. Uh, to a high level it appeared in the championship game what was that like what was going on behind the scenes in terms of of your health and your ability to run at at full speed yeah I mean uh essentially um I I've been having hamstring issues throughout uh the last few weeks and um it really like it's it's weird I never have been one to have like soft tissue injuries I've been really fortunate in that regard and for whatever reason it popped up and then uh, in the semis, it, it just pulled on one specific play, like kind of took the wrong step and got hit in the process. And it was just like, you could feel it shoot up right away. And then uh, essentially when, as soon as that game ended on my ride home from back from DC, uh, I called up my physical therapist who I've been working with since um, I was a sophomore at Princeton. Uh, we put together a plan, essentially got in to see him every day. And then he handed off the process to, uh, the PLL uh, PT staff on Friday and they were great. I mean, 
essentially it was just, you know, we were doing two a days in terms of uh, needling and heating and everything that you can imagine. So, I mean, I think it was a credit to them that I was able to play and really didn't even have to think about it come game day. What do you think ultimately made the difference for the water dogs aside from your play in particular, when you look around that locker room, uh, who are some guys or what are some moments that you think push the team over the top? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's just a balance, you know, like we don't rely on one guy. It's really just a collection, collective effort. Um, and it was that way throughout the entire season. And I think that that's a credit to, to coach Copeland and how he built the roster and, uh, you know, kind of the culture that he instilled in us and uh, the vets as well, you know, like as a younger guy, especially in big time moments, like you, you lean on your vets. And I think in big moments, um, you know, we turn to like Karen McArdle and Connor Kelly, uh, guys that have been around the block and have produced at a high level for a very long time. And like those guys were always there to answer the bell. And I think, like I said, as a younger guy, you tend to, to turn to your leaders in bigger moments. And you know, those guys answer the bell. And that's just on the offensive end. I mean, obviously, Zach does his thing in the middle of the field, which I, I don't know if anybody else does that in the world. Um, and then Dylan Ward and, and the D guys down on the D end, you know, they were they were awesome down the stretch. I mean, the Whipsnakes game where when it felt like we couldn't really get into a rhythm at times offensively, those guys came up with stop after stop down the stretch, um, which I think was huge. I saw cigars. I saw cigarettes, believe it or not. I saw champagne. I got doused by some champagne. Uh, I was worried about getting pulled pulled over driving home, but the cops could pull me over like, you, you smell like champagne, sir. I'm like, I wasn't drinking, but I, but I was at a party. Uh, did you guys go to the Eagles game on Sunday, someone told me? So we had, uh, we had a couple guys that went. It was a Monday night game, uh, Monday night at the link. We had a, a couple guys that went. Um, I was uh, I, I I had to turn the page pretty quick just because the USA process. I knew if I went to that game, I would not be in a good state for those tryouts. So um, we did have we did have a good water dog showing at the Eagles game, and uh, that could have been what pushed them over the hump against the Vikings on Monday night. How does the feeling getting ready for that championship game compare to the big games you played at Duke or, or Princeton? Is is it is it a similar feeling in in, in your stomach? Is it similar butter, butterflies? Is it different? What's it like? You know, I think um, it's similar in some regards, but it's also different. You know, like college, there's so much preparation that goes into it. And I think that, you know, one of the cool things about the professional game is um, you're not together a week. So, like, you really just show up and you play. And I think that uh, it kind of brings back, like, the simplicity of the game when you're playing, you know, as a kid in the sense that like, you're not really over preparing, you're just showing up and playing lacrosse. You know, everybody has a great understanding for the guys that you're playing against just from years of watching and being a fan of the sport and playing against people. Um, but I think that one of the things that, you know, like I said, I enjoy about the program and it was even true for the championship. It's like, you know, you got to show up and you just play the game. And I think that that's pretty cool. What, what do you think the biggest challenge uh, of the PLL is for, from, from the player's perspective? Is, is it travel? Is it uh, chemistry? Is it uh, the physical nature of the game? Like, what do you find to be the biggest challenge from, from a player's perspective? You know, I think, I think it's the chemistry piece. Um, you know, in college, you just have so much time to build that chemistry. 
you know, you go through a fall together. You're with each other 24-7 off the field. You're watching film together in the dorm rooms. Uh, you're eating every meal together. Then you go through the spring season. You travel together. You do everything together. The professional game, you're essentially trying to build that chemistry 14 weekends of the year, and that's it. Um, and I think that, you know, that that in itself is just a huge challenge. And, you know, I think that the teams that are able to do that the best are the ones that have success. And I think, you know, like I said, it's a credit to Coach Copeland who, you know, built our roster and the vets who, you know, kind of uh, kind of took me under their wing and, you know, kind of constructed the offense from scratch that we were able to build that. Aside from from the championships or, or the semis, which are in uh, at, at Audi, a really nice venue down in Washington, D.C., what was your favorite uh, weekend of the summer? Um, I, I think the Utah weekend was pretty cool. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. I think that was one of the coolest places that we played, having the the mountains in the back. Um, it was it, – I felt like it was just like a really cool stadium, perfect size. It was a Friday night game. Um, we, we actually lost that weekend, but I just thought that the venue was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. I actually stayed in Park City. Uh, which is, I don't know, 30 minutes to the west and in northwest. And, and I was hoping to spend some time out there to go hiking. But because of the, the, the weather delays that we had, remember, the games got pushed mm -hmm. and, and the times yeah. got changed. And like I spent all my time driving uh, in, instead of enjoying the scenery out there. So I'm looking forward to going back next year, hopefully extend that trip maybe a day or two. That, that to me, that's what's the cool thing about this league. I mean, you know, to be able to go to Denver, you guys got to go to Seattle or Tacoma. Uh, that that's pretty that's pretty awesome I, I I think you know touring the country and meeting so many uh so so many different fans too that was the thing I mean do you feel I I really feel it like in Salt Lake I had just some people come up to me like yeah we drove from Las Vegas for this game or the one guy I met drove from Boise Idaho to the game and and uh, the fans they're out there and they're so passionate but what 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 were your interactions with fans like this summer Yeah I mean I think that. Uh it's pretty crazy. And I think you hit the nail on the head, like to go to some of these places and, you know, be in Seattle and see people like wearing your Jersey, like it, it's cliche, but like, it is like a bit surreal, you know, that like, like people across the country are like so passionate about the game, the same way that we are, you know? And I think that uh, doing that kind of like, you know, rejuvenates you and kind of like motivates you a little bit to, to do what you can to help grow the sport you know, and give back. And, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be in the position that I'm in. Uh, and like, it, it just, it really is cool to be in Seattle and, you know, see so many fans out there and people staying after the game to wait for us to get to meet us. Like it, it is a really cool experience. Yeah. You used the key word there for me, it was re rejuvenate. You know, it, it is sometimes we forget when, when you're, when you're stuck East, whether it's Long Island, you know, Philly, Baltimore, Virginia, you know, we constantly see almost the same fans at, at, at most of the big games. And, and then to get out of that area and, and to see new fans is, is very rejuvenating for me. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lacks, the new up-and-coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. Visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. That's HoboLax, H-O-B-O-L-A-X.com, and the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, 
for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, I, I got this is the toughest question you'll have in the podcast. Ready? You ready for it? Yeah. Toughest question. If Duke and Princeton were playing in an NCAA semifinal game, who would you root for? <laughs> um, <laughs> that is uh, – that is a tough question. I mean, at the end of the day, I had, you know, an unreal experience uh, at both places. I mean, I wouldn't change anything for the world at either, you know, Princeton or Duke. And I don't think either ended uh, exactly how you would want to draw it up. Um, you know, I, I spent, uh, I spent four years at Princeton, you know, and so I think that, you know, naturally uh, you, you just kind of gravitate there just because, like I said, it's, I spent four years there and, um, you know, obviously a lot of those, those guys are my best friends and, um, you know, Duke obviously has a very special place in my heart too, just given the fact that they gave me an opportunity to come down there in a year that like nobody knew what, uh, tomorrow was going to look like, um, and just be able to play for coach D and learn from coach Caputo, uh, and that, um, you know, during that year was, was an awesome experience. So, it's definitely it's a tough question for sure. Well, to, fans can't see us right now, but you are wearing a Duke T-shirt, so I'll give I'll give you that. But I, I like I like I do like your answer. Are there a lot of similarities in the way those programs are run? Are there major differences? Like, did did, did it feel very different uh, in terms of academics and the way the lacrosse was approached? You know, I think um, there's obviously similarities and differences. I mean, the campuses look very similar. Um, and uh but obviously like there's differences like Princeton you you walk everywhere and uh Duke's like a little bit of like a driving campus like um you know like the first day I was going to practice like I got lost going from my house to the field um so there you know there is like little differences that like you don't even think about like until you're in uh until you're there um but you know in terms of lacrosse like obviously there's some differences and like both pro, both coaches, obviously, coaching staffs have had success. Um, and I think that, you know, both are very confident in the systems that they run and, and what they do. So it, I think it was really cool for me to be able to learn from both Coach Madeline and then go down and learn from Coach D for a year, like to see two different approaches to the game um, and just be able to like soak it all in was really cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I think you're a better player for, for the experience uh, to having gone through the Princeton with Coach Madelon and then experienced Duke and, and Coach Dino and his staff. Uh, but I think your skill set was better utilized at, at, at Princeton. Uh, you know, what you, you all, all the fans have to do is YouTube Michael Sowers, Princeton highlights. Uh, the way you guys played that offense really fit your skill set. And then I, I saw that, especially late in the year with the Water Dogs where it's kind of like you go behind the goal and you make things happen and there's a little structure in front, but the more movement, the better. And it, it's not, uh, it's not like perfectly orchestrated, you know, it's, it's allowing you to be your best. How, how do you describe your, your style? Be because what I saw this year was a guy who was intent on getting to the goal, uh, paying the price. You got, you got lit up a lot this year when you went to the net and, and that, that showed tremendous courage. Uh, these guys in this league are are monsters and they're coming for you and you knew they're coming for you and you still got there. I, I couldn't be more impressed. How, how do you describe the, the, your style of play and what it's become? 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, I think um, just real quick, like on the, uh, you know, the Princeton versus Duke note, I, I think, you know, a huge part of it too is just like the chemistry, you know, like Princeton, um, you know, Phil Robertson was like my best friend, my roommate for three years uh, at Princeton. And like, I could close my eyes and know exactly where he's going to be. And same thing with like all six guys on that offense, just because we had spent so much time together. So, you know, we knew where each other were going to be like the back of our hands where, you know, Duke was like a very unique situation because of everything that was going on off the field where, you know, you don't have the luxury of like, I mean, we practiced, we split the group in half. You know, I didn't, I, we weren't really meeting people on the team until like January. So it was just like a very uh, like unique situation because of everything that was going on globally. Um, But I think that, you know, like, like I said, the, the chemistry was a huge piece there. And um, I appreciate the, the words on, you know, playing this summer. I mean, I was always kind of, uh, it was always preached to me, you know, like lacrosse is a very simple game. Like if, if they slide you, you pass the ball. And if they don't, you turn the corner and score. And I think, you know, one of the challenges of the PLL is people are very confident in their one-on-one defenders. Um, and I think that, you know, you kind of have to earn people's respect to get a slide. Um, and so early on, I think even last year, uh, my first game, like uh, it was kind of like eye opening how people did not slide at all, even short sticks. So this year coming in, it was kind of my mentality. And I worked really hard on, you know, my strength and my speed to be able to to run by some of these bigger athletes and uh, put some pressure on the defense. Because, you know, we have Jern who can obviously pass the ball extremely well, sees the field well. Um, but I think to be able to have somebody that puts pressure on the defense and be able to run by number one cover guys, I think was, you know, that was my goal going in. So you had to, did you change your body to a certain degree or, or did you become stronger uh, in, in year two? I, you know, I tried to, and uh, I've had a, a difficult time just with lifting these last two years and dealing with the rad though. Um, but I did, you know, I, I definitely got back into the weight room a lot more than I had. Uh, the year prior um, and really just like focused on my conditioning levels. I mean, I think that being able to, you know, run for four straight quarters at, at the same speed and not get tired, like that, that's huge for me um, to be in, you know, minute 40 of the game and still at the same pace as minute five. Uh, you know, that was a huge goal for me going in. You, you mentioned the rabdo. And so make sure I'm clear, like that's for uh, excessive muscle exertion, I'm guessing, or dehydration. Does it kick in in, the, in those two instances? Yeah, you know, it was it was one of those things. It's like they were never able to really figure out like what was the trigger or what was causing. I mean, they were they they were able to figure out a couple of things and um, some like really weird tweaks that I was able to make in my diet and my nutritional habits and my hydration habits that. Uh, like help me move past that uh, but obviously like you said like by definition like rad though is when uh, you're kind of overexerting your body the muscles doesn't don't have the protein to rebuild the muscle uh, so they just naturally break themselves down and so um, it was one of those things it's like I've always been somebody that gets my confidence from doing extra reps and lifting and running and for the first time like I wasn't able to do that and so I think for me, it was like just as challenging mentally as it was physically. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you want to do more, but your, your doctor's telling you to do less. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
Tell me about uh, Team USA. That caught me off guard. I was off on Sunday. I would have swung by Hunt, Hunt Valley to check it out. A Qu- uh, quick turnaround for the guys who played last weekend. Uh, how, how many players are still involved in the selection process, and what did you guys do last weekend? Yeah, I mean, it was um, – I think there was probably like 50, 50 guys down there. Uh, and essentially we got there Friday, practice Friday night, um, got there, uh, then we were practice Saturday morning, scrimmage Saturday night, uh, scrimmage Sunday morning. So it was a lot of lacrosse, um, but obviously like anytime it's cliche, but anytime you have the opportunity to put on the USA Jersey, like there definitely is a different feeling involved with it. Um, and I think that it, uh, you know, as a younger guy, you know, you grow up watching people like Rob Pinnell and Tom Schreiber. And now to be able to, like, play alongside of them at an event like USA, like, you know, regardless of the situation, it's a tryout. But, like, that's a pretty cool experience in itself. Well, uh, what's next for the group? I think we are – well, I know that we're, we're down in uh, – uh, Maryland again um, for the fall classic. So I think we're doing a blue white scrimmage Friday, the 15th, October 15th. And then uh, we're scrimmaging Maryland, October 16th. And is there one more thing in Florida, maybe in January before the selection or is that, or is that it? I, I think it's December, December. Dece- and, and then the team's going to be selected after that last, that last uh, weekend together. Yeah. yeah I think it's well. really, I, I caught Coach Janowski. He was at, he was at the Hofstra uh, PLL weekend, uh, intently watching and taking notes. And every halftime, I'd go in there and we compare notes and, and, and chat. But I, I think it's awesome that you've got a staff of of coaches who not only know you guys from college, but they they're actually watching twelve or more pro games, and they really have an, a good idea of a player's skill set, uh, what they do well, you know, where where they might not be a good fit. And then I think from there, it's just more about building chemistry and finding pairs, you know, guys who, who work really well together. That's a huge – in my generation, we didn't have that. There were guys, honestly, who tried out who the coaching staff – I mean, they may, may have well been walking dead men. They had no chance to make the team. I, uh, and I wasn't one of them. I got cut three times. I actually had a chance. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just think – I think this – modern generation, even though they extend this tryout process way more longer than it needs to be extended. Uh, it, I don't think any of the players can really complain. No, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, anytime you have an opportunity to, to put on the USA Jersey and play alongside, you know, those guys. And I think also too, like play for the staff that is assembled with team USA, you know, like coach D, uh, Seth Tierney, Joe Amblo, coach Toomey at, at Loyola, like, those are four of, you know, the most accomplished college coaches in the game. Um, so I think that, you know, it's just a, a, an all-around pretty unique, cool opportunity. What's the vibe like at the tryouts? Do, do guys hang out with their college teammates? Do they hang out with their pro teammates? Do they hang out with, with you know, guys they knew from growing up? Like, uh, it's got to be an interesting dynamic. You know, it, it's, a, it's a great point. I think um, that was one of the th- things that I was kind of curious about going into it. Um, I think that there's definitely uh, a pretty, pretty cool culture established where, um, you know, like essentially uh, it's just all one big group when you're down there, like it's not clicky. And, and in the past, like when you go to, uh, I mean, showcases aren't even comparable, but like, those are very clicky, you know, and like USA, um, 
you know, like you go down and you eat breakfast and like, rather than like sitting with your buddies, like you sit in the empty chair, you know? So I think that that was pretty cool and pretty eye opening. You know, when you go down there, it's just one big group. With, with an eye on, on tryout stress, because so many young players right now have to try out for the club team. They got to try out for regional select teams. Uh, how, how do you with the nerves uh, that, that are associated with those type of tryouts? What, what do you recommend for, for young players? Um, you know, I think that the, the first thing that like should be understood is that like, you know, I get super nervous for these tryouts. Like I get anxious and um, I had, you know, a ton of butterflies even now for the October weekend. Uh, so that, that's like natural, you know, like that's not unique to any one person. Um, but I think like at the end of the day, uh, you know, like you just, you have to go down there and you, you, you just have to be yourself, you know, and, um, and, and that's all you can do really. Like, obviously you prepare as best you can from now until the tryouts. And then once you go down there, it's kind of just like, you let it happen. I think that it's easier said than done, but, um, you know, kind of putting the focus on the process for the tryouts rather than the actual result. Uh, you know, can help ease ease the mental a little bit. So you got a degree from Princeton. You got a degree from Duke. What, what's what's going on in your real life? Um, so uh, <laughs> working a little bit as well. Um, so uh, so still doing still doing a little bit of that. But um, yeah, I mean, fortunate enough to to go to those two places and learned a ton, made it a ton of great relationships um you know away from lacrosse which i think is is pretty cool about those two universities that you know you're able to meet so many amazing people so definitely grateful for that so you get so you got a real job and and you're playing lacrosse at the same time or yeah yeah so that that's correct yeah like that's not everybody in the league's doing it that way there's some that are there's some that aren't there to me the cool thing is you guys are earning enough money now that you can pursue a career but it may not pay that much initially but it's really something you want to do you know you know what i mean you can where so guys in my generation had to take jobs obviously that 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 there was no money coming in for lacrosse i mean i played indoor made 632 dollars a game uh which was pretty good back then but but i i just think this the format of this league gives guys uh enough money to maybe pursue lacrosse uh, as a career coaching camps teaching clinics but also allows them some freedom to produce, uh, pursue some other careers that maybe they wouldn't normally have chosen if they didn't have that extra income. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, I know for me personally, like, uh, you know, I, I pursued another career really for, for two reasons. Um, one, like I've always done well in my life when I have like some sort of balance, you know, and like, particularly when I was at Princeton and, uh, you know, you go to school and, and you work really hard there. And then, uh, you know, you work out in the mornings and you go to practice at night. Um, and, and I just always did really well in my life when, when I was structured like that. Uh, but, you know, also too, like to be able to continue to learn uh, was a huge thing for me. You know, I come from a family, like a sports family. Uh, my dad's a high school football and high school lacrosse coach. Uh, my mom's side is, is a huge sports family. She's a teacher as well she's around sports all the time. So, you know, just to uh, do something outside the sports world for me, uh, I, I felt like was big when I was, when I was, you know, younger. 
do you feel a pull to to get involved with with some young teams in terms of coaching in terms of in terms of you know passing some of your knowledge or, or no you know absolutely like all the time um i love you know being around kids and uh coaching like i said i mean my dad's been a coach for uh, as long as I can remember, I mean, I essentially grew up in uh, a football locker room in the fall and then a lacrosse sideline uh, in the spring. And um, I saw, you know, what those high school kids were able to give me when I was younger. Uh, and so there's always that feeling to give back. And I try and help out with some younger teams in the Philadelphia area. And it's definitely something that as I get older, I hope to do more of. Yeah, my, my dad was a high school football coach as well uh, on, on Long Island for about 25 years. So I, I know you know, I was keeping stats. I'm sure you were. I was in fifth grade keeping football stats for the varsity team. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'd break down film in the basement, you know, on Sunday mornings. Uh, that, that's kind of uh, what we, we have probably have some very similar experiences of, of driving home on jubilant buses and driving home on some really quiet buses with our dad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with, our, with, with, with our dad's uh, both faces red and uh, with anger. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, uh, I think 90% of my dad and I's conversations in the fall are about what defense he's running on Friday nights and, you know, how he's going to stop certain running backs and what he's going to do against certain uh, quarterbacks. So uh, I know those conversations well. Awesome, Mike. Appreciate your time. Uh, really enjoyed talking with you. Really enjoyed watching you play this year. You, you put on quite a show all summer long. It was uh was cool and uh, congratulations on winning the championship and the MVP and making your mom so happy. Yeah, Quinn, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike.